your peace. You alone, O oh Lord, are holy. Come and fill our hearts with your peace. Hallelujah. Come and fill our hearts with your peace. You alone, O oh Lord, are holy. Come and fill our hearts with your peace. So this you don't have words for it it becomes a prayer that you sing over and over again you can add harmony you can listen you can dance you can sigh come and fill our hearts with your peace you alone O oh Lord are Come and fill our hearts with your peace. Hallelujah. Come and fill our hearts with your peace. You alone, O oh Lord, are holy. Come and fill our hearts with your peace. Good morning, everyone. Look at you all out and bright on an August morning. It's good to see you. Welcome to Middle Church. If you're here for the very first time, my name is Jackie, and on behalf of our whole family, we're glad you'd spend an August Sunday with us. Can I invite you, if you're here for the first time, to raise your hand and keep your hand high so we can figure out who's preaching and who's singing. No, just keep your hand high. <laughs> 
Great, great. Shout out where you're from. Tell me where you're from. Just shout it out. Nebraska. Good. Ooh, I was born in Omaha. Oh, get us right What? What? Oh my God. Okay. Jersey, Omaha, Arkansas. Michigan, woo! Florida, yay! New Jersey, way over there on the other side of the river. Is that everybody? Brooklyn in the house! Okay. Where? Mauritius, what? And one more. Where? France, bienvenue, and one more? Harlem in the house. Why do we do this? There's lots of things we could do in this moment, but I love figuring out how many people from how many places are finding their way to this safe and beautiful space. So we're glad you're here. Um, we hope you feel welcome. We would really like to stay in touch with you, and we're gonna say this, and people don't do this, but there's a green card in the pew in front of you. And if you fill it out, you might win <laughs> A trip to the social hall where, where there's food. Come on down the aisle. So, <laughs> come on. So we'd love to stay in touch with you. If you'll just take a moment and fill out that green card. It's short, right? It's not, there's not one there for you, Jocelyn, but it's short. It's easy, breezy, name and email. Name and email. That's what we'd love to have. So we can let you know all the ways you can connect to us. Can you do that for me? Sure. Harlem said sure. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, good. All right, thank you. Uh, let me let you know a couple things that are happening today. First of all, Tammy is taking a break. She's on vacation. And Allison Mickelson is our guest conductor today. <laughs> She'll be here most Sundays. And then Vaughn Lindquist will be our guest conductor. <laughs> the In the Middle Choir is keeping us in music. And I'm so glad that Ruby Nell Sales is preaching for us this morning. <laughs> Ruby and Spirit House Project and Jackie and Middle Collegiate Church are the co-founders of the Vincent and Rosemary Harding Center for Spiritual and Social Restoration. We are doing caravans to the border which means we're gonna go there, but also it means we're traveling in our heart. So Ruby's gonna give a beautiful sermon today about what happens to us when we go to the wilderness. We have some food, and then we'll be back in here for a talk back with Ruby. Are you ready for that, Ruby? I'm ready. Ready, come on now, fist bumps. There we go. <laughs> Boom, okay, got that. Um, I want you to know that the rest of August and through September 2nd, we'll be worshiping at 10.30. And you found this time, and it's good, right? It's good. Yeah. Amen. Get in, get your Jesus on, get your God on, go home. Amen? I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, and I am taking vacation. I will leave, uh, hello, I will leave uh, to, uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning early. Um, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to New Jersey, because we spent... <laughs> Okay, we spent our money in Australia, all right. But it's a staycation, it'll be fun, and I'll be out of touch. I'm doing some writing and need some Sabbath time for that. But Rob and Christina and Marta are here, and they will take very, very good care of you. So I look forward to seeing you September 9, 
and I will have just come back from El Paso, where we are taking a trip to the border to find out what's happening firsthand, okay? Take a deep breath. Think of all the stunning, myriad, surprising, quiet ways that God showed up in your life this week. Someone to hug, someone to wipe your tears, someone to laugh with, someone to sing with. And let us be thankful and continue to worship God by singing our opening hymn. Please remain standing for the prayer of thanksgiving. God, we give you thanks for the people we call family, the family we're given and the family we've chosen. Thank you that you choose us, that we are called your children. We're grateful for the ways you grow us in community, in relation to one another, and for places like Middle Church where we engage, heal the soul, and heal the world, work together. Thank you for the multitude of ways and people you are rising up 
and responding to injustice with creativity and collaboration all around us. We thank you for all of those who have gone before us, clearing the path and building movements that continue today. We know this arc that we are bending towards justice will still be bent in the generations to come. So we thank you for those who will continue the work after us. May your spirit guide us in these days. May we look to you as we work together. And may we be rooted in your love, the love that was shown to us in Jesus the Christ, in whom we pray. Amen. Who would have peace? Who would have love? 
Thank you, choir. Good morning, Middle. It is good to see you on a warm August Sunday. I've been thinking a lot about children lately. It could be because I've become a grandfather for the very first time. Some of you have been introduced to her. She's been in worship with us a few times. Her name is Ophelia Grace. And we will be calling her Fee for short. But she has a name not to be trifled with. But you know, when I look into her face, she has these amazing, dark, brilliant eyes. And I'm mesmerized. I can't look away. And I think about her innocence and her vulnerability and how amazing she is as a gift to the world. But then, almost on the heels of that, I have to think about the children at the border and what their parents and loved ones must think about when they look into their face and look into their eyes and think about their vulnerability and what a gift they are to the world. We are in a dark time. Children have been occupying my mind and my heart. We must be aware that we have fallen a long way from our ideals as a nation, and we have a long way to go to recover. So I invite you into a prayer now a prayer for the children and for our nation. So find yourself a comfortable position and take a breath and let us pray together. Merciful God, giver of life, giver of a vision for a world in harmony with you and with itself. We come before you under the burden of deep, deep lament. We cry out and are bereft for the children held in cages poorly nourished and disciplined as severely as a criminal of war, separated from their mothers 
we cry out and are bereft for a lack of moral leadership by government that is now transparently without conscience or compassion. Our hearts ache, our spirits burn for injustice in this nation. We pray for white people who succumb to fear and hatred of brown and black people and who perpetrate acts of violence, especially against the children. Let there be outrage across this land. Let the people stand as one and let them never forget these crimes committed by elected and appointed government officials and those committed who have committed the same offense by remaining silent. May this nation be enlightened by your love and may we work tirelessly toward that end. Open our hearts, open our minds, that we may never forget these children. And may we think of them every time we look into a child's face and know that we have work to do in your name. And so it is in your just and merciful name, we say, Amen. Amen. Let's stand together now, if you will. Join hands, if you so desire. And let us pray the Lord's Prayer as it is familiar to us, in our language, in the way we know it. Let us pray. Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For us is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now will you turn to those around you and offer them words of love and peace.
My name, my name is Reverend Nancy Talbot. It is an honor for me to be reading scripture for my friend and roommate, Ruby Nell Sales, this morning. All week long, this scripture has captured us in our household, and we have been singing, tell me, how did it feel when you come out the wilderness? Come out the wilderness. So now, let us read Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit to, in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Here ends the reading of God for the people of God. May we bow our heads for a prayer of thanksgiving and lamentation. Oh God, we come to you this morning fully aware that our nation is blanketed by the wilderness. We come to you this morning understanding that we are in the grips of the sins of empire, the sins of commodification, dehumanization, vilification, state-sanctioned violence, state-sanctioned separation of children and families. We come to you this morning understanding and grateful that despite all of these sins, we thank you that we are not entrapped by bad history, that we can write a new chapter and turn a new page in our collective and in our individual lives. And God, I especially thank you for bringing me, uh, the least of them, of black, female, lesbian, descendant of enslaved people into the light of day and for setting my feet on solid ground. And if God has set your feet on solid ground, let the church say, Amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I wish to thank 
my beloved pastor, friend, colleague, Reverend Jackie Lewis, for the opportunity to gather this morning with you as a congregation and as a beloved community to celebrate our common connections as we move from the wilderness to a mountaintop consciousness. We gather also to deepen our theological and social thinking about the way the opiates of empire captivate our inner and our outer lives. We are here this morning to do the deep scaling of making a connection between what we say we believe on the inside and to think about how we might live it on the outside. And we understand from the lesson this morning that these opiates are materialism, power, and yes, God envy. And yes, God envy. The desire to dominate and control creation and other human beings. These are spiritually malformed and socially perverse universal impulses that go all the way back to Adam and Eve, spiritual struggle in the garden where they gave in to their hunger to be as powerful as God, thereby moving from being children and creations of God to become competitors with God. It is also a lesson about idolatry. The lesson reminds us that systemic oppression and those people who are the guardians of systemic oppression, such as whiteness, misogynists, want us to bow down at the altar of whiteness and maleness and patriarchy and heterosexism. And we are left to ponder the question this morning, and it's really a, a, a deep question that has not been answered yet, but yet we must ponder the question, if we possess in us the original consciousness of God, then how does, that, how does that consciousness become perverted and subverted? How do we move from God consciousness to empire consciousness? In the beginning was God, and God's consciousness was in each of us. And so the question is, how do we move from that authentic state to the inauthentic state of an empire consciousness? This is a universal question that has loomed large, not just with us, but throughout the ages and in peoples and cultures everywhere. We also understand from the lesson this morning that this is for each of us, there is in each of us a universal hunger to be spiritually whole and complete. Do you hear me, y'all? There's in each of us a spiritual hunger and an impulse to be whole. But yet the society fragments us by separating our inner selves from our outer selves. And this is a hunger 
that the empire cynically seizes upon and subverts it into material greed where they make us believe that they and only they have the power to satisfy this artificial hunger that they have so deeply socialized in each of us. They recognize our impulse, this hunger, this spiritual hunger, and they take that hunger and they subvert it for their own use. And in doing so, we become their subjects who give over to them our obedience and loyalty. And we believe, as did the Israelites in the desert, that they and not God are our benefactors. We believe that what they offer, rather than the spiritual bread that God offers, represents the good life. It is the materialization of our spiritual hunger. We are struck this morning that our universal struggle as human beings is to move from a wilderness or false consciousness to a mountaintop consciousness that changes how we look at each other, how we understand God, and how we move in creation. It is a spiritual hunger that determines the very core of not only who we are as individuals, but who we are as a collectivity. And let's be very clear, we cannot separate who we are as individuals from who the collectivity is. We must be very clear. The society says that we can dodge all of that, that we can stand in isolated islands and be different and larger than who the collectivity is without being marked. We see this morning, as we study the prophet Jesus, that the struggle that Jesus engages in is a struggle that each of us must engage. It is a struggle that his ancestors engaged in as they crossed over the Red Sea into liberation, as they struggled with the question of what does it mean to be free, a free people from under the yoke of empire and submit themselves to the kingdom of God rather than to the empire kingdom. As with his ancestors, Jesus must go through a period of formation as he prepares for his new journey after crossing over from baptism in the River Jordan. And although each of us, I'm sure many of us in this congregation this morning have been baptized, baptism is the first step of a longer journey towards transcendental transformation. And that, that commitment is more than just saying that this, I believe, more than declaring our commitment. It is 
a journey, an everyday journey where we must critique not only the world, but we must also look inward and critique ourselves. And as I read the story this morning, I was reminded of myself as a child when I would exuberantly beg my mother to let me do adult tasks that always looked to my child's eyes so easy. I would say to her, mother, 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 can I sew that dress? I know I can put that hem in that dress. May I? May I? May I? And she would look me dead in the eyes and she would say, not yet, my child, not yet. Rubinelle, you're not ready yet. And my initial response was anger. What? I'm not ready? Of course I can do that. It's very easy to put a hem in the dress. You just pick up the needle and you make these stitches. <laughs> I can do that without realizing in my childish eyes that it took skill and practice to make a hem. And that despite my desire to do so and my belief that I could, my mother was right. I was not ready, and it was not easy. Why do I bring this up? Many of us believe that we can rid ourselves of the opiates and the marks of empire, such as racism, sexism, heterosexism, and greed, simply because we desire to do so without the hard struggle of untangling these isms from our lives. Despite our best intentions, we cannot overcome these spiritual afflictions without intentionally purging ourselves of our hungers, of empire hungers. This means that even as we mount our struggle for justice, it is important to understand that the work is not just to confront the systemic opiates, but it is also to confront the walls in our own lives the borders in our own lives. Take, for example, our work for racial justice must be understood as work that we must all do to remove the spiritually malformed and socially perverse pollutants from all of our lives. Our struggle must be transcendental rather than transactional. Our struggle must be transcendental rather than transactional. I watched Jesus this morning on the road, I mean, on the move to a higher consciousness, which is really what Christianity is about. All religions, no matter what the religion is, represent movements towards a higher consciousness. They're really higher consciousness movements. And so when we think about Jesus being in the desert, let's not think about a physical space. But let's think about Jesus wrestling with the contaminated aspects of his inner life to prepare himself to live out his call and to carry out his ministry. And, and even as he's struggling in this particular moment in his life, struggle is continuous. And as we read the gospel, we see that even as Jesus is moving from one place to the next, what's going on, he's constantly having to confront his own imperfections and his own opiate hungers, I mean, uh, contaminations, whether it's with the woman with the flow of blood, 
whether it's with the Syrophoenician woman, whether it's his assumption about prostitutes, he's constantly having to, to reorder how he sees the world. And it's just not enough to say that he believes, and it's not even enough to declare himself to be the son of God. Movements, therefore, place us in a life-affirming process that starts us on a new journey where we come clean by breaking with empire culture. And what are the opiates that Jesus is struggling with in the wilderness? And we understand the wilderness to be the barrenness of our souls, the bare, arid spaces in our lives that have been contaminated by empire. And so what are those opiates that we see Jesus struggling with? The universal opiates of the lust for power, the lust for fame, the lust for material possessions, and the ultimate lust to be God, God envy. When we struggle with these opiates and engage with these opiates, we're not only building a movement. Movements are not just, to build a movement is not a glib assertion, it's a transcendental movement and struggle. And we're not only building a movement, we're building a counterculture. We're moving from an empire culture into a beloved community which is the promise of God's kingdom on earth. Amen. Simultaneously, when we make this commitment, we remove from us the burden and the weight of empire, and we move through life with a joyful lightness of being. And in this lightness of being, we claim our own independence to use our work to benefit, the, to benefit the upbuilding of a democracy and a beloved community rather than upbuild a world for the ruling elite, rather than build an empire world, we commit ourselves to the vision of bringing into being God's kingdom on earth. Our first leg of a transcendental journey must begin with recapitulation and confession of the spiritual injury that is in all of us. We must ask the fundamental question, where does it hurt? And where has, what is the source of our pain? And unless we speak this truth with both remorse for the harm that it might have caused us and the harm that we cause others, we will be forever trapped, entrapped in a hell of moral nihilism without any pathways towards redemption. But Carter Hayward promises us that God has given each of us the power and the tools to touch our highest capacity for goodness and our highest capacity as human beings. And despite what the empire tells us, 
We are not small. We are large. We are powerful. And we are meant to be players and co-creators rather than footnotes. Our process towards the transcendental journey requires us to studiously, notice I said studiously, not just emotionally, but studiously search out and name and claim the spiritual resources that allow us to live in the world without becoming captives of the world. What does it mean to live in the world without becoming captives of the world. Our ancestors, my ancestors, the community of enslaved African Americans, knew that it could not travel this pathway out of moral nihilism without wrestling with their inner selves. They knew that they had to go into the wilderness and come out brand new. They knew that they, although that they were enslaved, that they too had the universal lust for power, they too had the universal lust for pain, fame, and they had too the universal lust for materialism. And so that they knew that in order to be a new and different people than their enslavers, they had to be bluntly honest about their imperfections. And they understood the desire to become new people meant changing themselves as much as they were wanting to change the enslavers. And they sang their belief into this song. Tell me, how did you feel when you come out the wilderness? Come out the wilderness. Tell me, how did you feel, church, when you come out the wilderness? And they knew that when you come out the wilderness, that your heart was new, and your feet too, when you come out the wilderness. And they knew that when you come out the wilderness, you had a new walk and a new talk, and you were not the same as you were before you went into the wilderness. And then they would be, that lightness of being would make them happy, and they would shout to each other, did church, did you tell me, did you feel like shouting when you come out the wilderness? Did you feel like telling everybody when you come out the wilderness? Tell me, how did you feel when you come out the wilderness? Tell me, how did you feel in this new baptism? Did you love everybody when you come out the wilderness? Did you love everybody when you come out the wilderness? Church, this morning, I want to ask you, how do you feel as you struggle to come out the wilderness? Are you willing to tell the truth about yourself as you come out the wilderness? Are you willing to talk a new talk and walk a new walk as you come out the wilderness? Church, tell me how do you feel as you struggle to come out of the wilderness? I'm not quite ready to end, but y'all can sing. We're gonna sing, I'm gonna ask you, and you respond coming out of the wilderness. Tell me how did you feel when you come out of the wilderness? When you come out, 
come out of the wilderness Tell me how did you feel when you come out of the wilderness Leaning on the Lord One more time Tell me how did you feel when you come out Come out, come out of the wilderness Come out Tell me how did you feel when you come out Yeah Yes, tell me how did you feel when you come out to wilderness? And let me just reiterate as we close this morning that this wilderness that is America, that contaminates America has existed all the way back to the genocide of Native American peoples, to the enslavement of African Americans, throughout segregation, throughout the prison industrial complex, throughout the incarceration of the Japanese in concentration camps during World War II, and that these sins are, let me repeat, that in order to come out the wilderness, we must confront the collective. It's not an individual journey towards personal piety. It's larger than our personal piety. It's to confront the sins of dehumanization, what does it mean to dehumanize and put children in cages? What does it mean to call their parents rapists and criminals and thugs? Vilification, dehumanization, state-sanctioned terror and state-sanctioned violence and state-sanctioned rape. That these 
are persistent sins of the empire. And if Jesus understood that in order to do his work, he needed to humble himself to admit that he too was fully human and carried with him the imprints of empire. And in order to follow Jesus, we must commit ourselves to the same truth. Are we willing, like Jesus, after our baptism, after our commitment and our reaffirmation to follow Jesus, are we willing now to go into the wilderness and to come out brand new with a new song and new language in our hearts? Are you willing this morning to take that journey into the wilderness? Amen. My name is Joanna. This is my daughter, Maya. This is my daughter, Michelle. Um, I am so terrified of public speaking that I, I'm surprised I didn't forget my own name. So forgive me if I just read the rest. <clears throat> Middle is the community that I've been searching for my entire life. <laughs> I'm crying already. <clears throat> Probably like many of you, I've spent some time wondering where I belong. When I was growing up, I went to a mostly white Catholic school, and I knew that wasn't my place. I went to a more diverse high school, but I tried a bunch of groups and still never quite found one that fit. In college, I even went so far as to join a sorority. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, but not for me. <clears throat> I moved to New York in my late 20s, sure that I'd find my people here. After all, New York is the greatest city in the world, filled with people from all over the world. But after the initial excitement wore off, I found New York to be kind of lonely too. I passed tons of people on the street every day, but none of them knew me or cared about me. So even though I had largely written off churches too judgmental and exclusive, I decided to give it another try. I used to live right around the corner from here, and just accidentally one day, I stumbled into middle. And um, I'm so glad I did. From that first Sunday, almost nine years ago, I knew I had found the place I've been looking for my entire life. I look around this room, and I see God in all of you. I keep coming back to this church every Sunday because we talk not only about how important it is to love God, but about how important it is to love one another. And when I feel beat down, and I wonder if the work I'm doing matters, I come back here and I'm reminded. <laughs> I'm reminded every Sunday that love is an action and that we are the ones God has been waiting for. I started out here as a young adult. I don't think I qualify to be in that group anymore. <laughs> but now I have the immense pleasure of knowing that my daughters are going to grow up in this community where they're going to learn not just from me and not just from the ministers, but from all of you um, <clears throat> about how we can love God and love one another. And so, if you love middle the way that I do, please consider giving any way that you can. I'm a recurring donor because this place is so important to me and I encourage you to do the same. 
but please give any way that you can. Middle needs our time, our talent, and our treasure. So if you're interested in hearing more about that, please see one of the ministers after church. Thank you. to your work now. Amen. 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 Ruby, thank you for blessing us. Thank you so much. the living God today, we are called to remember the one who went to the wilderness, who survived the wilderness, who comes from a people who traversed the wilderness in search of homeland. 
We are a people who travel our own wildernesses. Sorrow, grief, challenge, temptation, fear. There we meet our God, the one who calls us and shapes us and knows us. Like manna from heaven. This is the bread of life. When we eat, remembering, we shape our future and we are transformed. Like living water, this is the cup of blessing. And when we drink it, remembering, we shape our future, we become a whole and holy people together with our thirst for righteousness quenched. We are called to eat the bread of life, drink the cup of blessing. And you are called to come just exactly as you are, as you came through the door, you're welcome. Come, come from the balcony. And while they're coming, come from the back. All is ready for you. Please stand, please come. Did you feel 
Amen. Oh, wow. Beautifulness. I'd like to invite you to stand and sing the closing hymn. Um, we're going to sing just verse 1 and 3. Is that okay? Verse 1 and 3. Um, and then we'll have a benediction. Sounds good? like the best seat in the house because everybody who came by was touching and loving and saying, how you doing? So I want to ask you to touch each other right now in a very appropriate way. <laughs> Don't be trying to sneak anything, you know, untoward up in here. I know how much, I know how y'all are. Because <laughs> I'm that way too. <laughs> so I want you to touch each other because we are actually in the wilderness. And we're called to sojourn through the wilderness, not by ourselves, but in a big old posse of revolutionary lovers. We're in the wilderness, and God is in the wilderness, shaping us, molding us, making us, teaching us, purifying us from those toxins of the world. I want to invite you this summer to be conscious of the way you feel about the things you feel, the way you experience the news in the world, and the way God's Spirit is hovering close by no matter what. My benediction for you is to not hide inside too much work or too much drink or too much anything, excess, but to look squarely at the stuff and know we've got every good gift we need to topple this thing upside down. We are the living body of Christ. We are God's hands, feet, and heartbeat, and we can do more than we can ask or imagine through God's power and work within us. It hurts. It's hard. And we can do it. It hurts. And it's hard. And we have to do it. We have to use our love to heal this world. So go out in there amongst those English. Go out there and love, love, love like it's urgent because it is. Amen. I'll miss you. See you. Oh, wait, wait. Don't go. Eat some food and come back into the sanctuary 
for the conversation with me and Ruby. Can you do that? You thought you were let off the hook. Now, come back for the conversation. <laughs> Look forward to it.